Coming to you direct from our super secret studio. Hello, this is Washington for Beautiful People on Deep State Radio. I'm your host, Emily Brandwin, at CIA Spy Girl on Twitter. And we're broadcasting, of course, from the West Left Coast. And it's beautiful out, which is very different. Most of the time when I've been taping these from the West Coast, it's been raining, which is very uncharacteristic. Uncharac- I'm saying the word wrong because normally it's always sunny. We have no weather. So I'm like, oh, it's sunny, which means something horrible is going to happen. It's like the 18th sign of the apocalypse. I'm not going to see what Trump's tweeting because usually that will imply what's going to happen. Anyway, I am so excited and thrilled to be joined by one of my favorite tweeples, and that's my name for people on Twitter. It's not that creative, but I like using it. I really want it to catch on. And I started following him because he tweets like a genius, and they're always like those chef kiss perfection tweets. And so I was like, I need to know more about him and his little like picture on his Twitter. Amazing. Then I found out he is a producer and a writer. An Emmy winner, any Emmy winner, and if I could speak, and he's done Kim Possible, Penguins of Madagascar, Big Hero Six, the series, but a lot of you all know him on Twitter as our Schoolie, and it's Robert Schoolie, but I'm calling him Bob because that's how close we are, and we call him Bob because he's cool. Hey, Bob. How are you, Emily? How is that intro? I always like to ask if I make you sound as impressive as you are. Uh, well, probably more so, but yeah, I'll go with that. Okay, because we could do it again, and I could add like <laughs> anything else you'd like. No, no, just you know, as long as you hit the Emmy, that's what's important to me. You know, uh, it's you all know about what? the awards. I'll start it with this. So, Emmy-winning Bob Schooley, I have a question for you before we even start. How did you get that picture on Twitter? Your little icon profile picture. How did that come about? Uh, it took me. You know, I'm a Muppet fan, and uh, it looked like the a back Muppet. of Trump. Yeah, the back of Trump's head just struck me as sort of a, you know, a Muppet waiting to happen. Um, <laughs> so uh, I, I made it happen, and uh, I stuck with it because uh, it's better looking than I am. So you know, you go with what you can. And it's better looking than Trump, so it's an improvement. <laughs> yes. It's cute. It's, you know, it's, I think it's Bert's nose and Ernie's eyes or something. I don't know. I, I combined some things. It, it was really funny because I looked at it and I was like, is that a Muppet? Because we're Muppet fans in our house as well. And I kept looking. I was like, is that one of the new ones? Did I not know this one? And then I was like, oh, <laughs> I see what he's doing. Yeah, there it's he my is. trumpet. <laughs> it's, your, it's, it's what you're known for. It's going to be your little thing. Um, yeah. So I have a question. So your background is your... You're in Hollywood, and you you're a writer, and you write a lot of children's or programming that's more geared for a younger audience. How yes. how like because I would never guess that by reading your tweets. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I think that may be part of it. I think because you, there's certain kind of jokes that are never going to work their way into what I work <laughs> do for a living. Uh, it's a way to vent, and I think when you write animation, which I primarily do. Uh, my partner and I, Mark, have written some movies too, but 
it's such a long process. You write a joke and you feel very self-satisfied about it and nobody sees it for over a year. Uh, so I think Twitter is appealing to guys like us just because you can just put it out there and get a reaction right away. So, it, you know, it's, it, and it's a good way to procrastinate from the job I'm supposed to be doing at any given time. Do you feel like Twitter has made your jokes funnier or tighter? Because I feel like for me, it's absolutely done that. Some people are like, no, not at all. But for me, I feel like I have to really think about how I craft something now to get the characters and to get to the punchline in the best way. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think, especially when you write animation, you don't want to write long, windy speeches for characters because it's kind of a medium about super short and bursts of dialogue. So I think Twitter's I sort of was trained for Twitter by that. I think <laughs> that you know you try to keep it short and uh, punchy and get to the point, and it, it's a good training because it does tell you what kind of things connect with people. It's usually the dumbest jokes. It's not the ones you're proud of. It's the ones you rattle off when you're like getting into the shower or something. Those are the ones that get repeated. The, the super clever stuff just sits there, which is, uh, I guess, a lesson if you're making a living in this. It's sort of upsetting. Do you have, do you remember any of the tweets that you feel like should have gotten a lot more love than than they did? Because I have a couple. Oh, I'm like, gosh. oh, that was really clever. That should have gotten so much more, so many more likes than that. Yeah, I, I wish I could. My memory is terrible for that. It, it all, that's the other thing about Twitter. It sort of goes out there and it disappears, which, which is, is kind good. of therapeutic. Because when you're writing for television, you have to live with it over and over again at every phase from, mm -hmm. you know, recording the actors to editing to mixing. You get sick of everything. With Twitter, you can just sort of get it off your chest and be done with it, I think. Have have you always been political or did 2016 kind of give you that kick in your ass to be more outspoken? No, I, I've always been sort of politically obsessed. I'm not, my, my father worked at a TV station in Philadelphia. So I sort of grew up around news and I almost ended up working there as a news editor. And I was just a little slower than some other guy going forward to it, like video editing. So I didn't get it, and it changed my life, I think, because it kind of sent me in this other direction. But, um, yeah, I've always been political. When I was in college, I went to see Ronald Reagan speak at the local mall and was just sort of fascinated by people are buying this was my reaction. <laughs> And then the great thing was I like was walking away from the mall as his motorcade was leaving and he uh, looked out his limo window and gave me a thumbs up. <laughs> and I, ever since then, I feel like, you know, I've been, uh, I've been on my path, but. Yeah. Um, That's so funny. Reagan was my first sort of political awakening. He started talking about prayer in school and it was the first time I ever wrote a letter to a president and I was in grade school oh, really? and, I, and I wrote a letter and I said, there's a separation of church and state. And I just thought I was, you know, the shit, you know, you're in, I, I was in grade school. Clearly I wasn't the shit and I was probably getting beat up every single day, but I was so like, just, yeah, I mean, I was, I was aggressively awkward. So I'm sure that was happening, but I remember writing this letter and I was being, I was so upset about what he was doing. And then I got a letter back and I was like, see, I knew he was going to listen. And it was like a letter from like Nancy Reagan's like, thanks for being such a fan. I was like, screw you people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, I don't know, I guess that was sort of when I started paying attention to politics. It was a lot harder to be obsessed with politics back then. Now, 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 now everything uh, accommodates you and it's yeah. for unhealthy obsessions. Yeah, you can't avoid it. It's, I mean, if yeah. it's, it's on the news, it's on social media, like there's, 
you would legitimately have to live in a cave. You'd have to buy one and move in, which in LA would probably still be like a million and a half dollars, but you would have to do that. <laughs> it's a fixer-upper cave you would get here, I think, yeah. Um, it's a teardown. Uh, You're going to build a new cave, but for 1.5, it's great yeah. land. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it, it, it's such a weird era in that respect, I think, that, that you can obsess, and yet you'll get these, these polls and find out, you know, 50% of the country doesn't even know who Robert Mueller is or something. You're, you're living in a weird bubble, which we are. I mean, are. everybody on Twitter is a weird bubble. It's like Facebook is so much more, you know, where all the grandparents are, I guess. But um, it, it does give you a sort of skewed perception of everything, I'm afraid. And I think also where where we live, I think, you know, the both the coasts, we are in a we're in, I always call it the safe space. I was in an Uber yesterday going to the airport and we started talking about Trump and I said, oh, and then I thought, oh shit, you know, do I need to be careful? And I said, oh, I, I was in New York. I was like, this is a safe space, isn't it? She's like, you're in New York. I'm like, oh, okay, we can talk. But I, <laughs> I did actually hear people when I was in Scotland talking about Trump and it was kind of What were they saying? Oh, they, they're, they're puzzled and bemused by him, I think. They don't quite understand it. In that way, we don't understand Brexit over here. I think it's a mutual puzzlement from everybody. Um, I, I like to yeah. say when I travel it's, overseas. Want to, want to safe, oh, sorry. What were you going to say? Uh, uh, yeah. yeah, so speaking of safe spaces, one of my favorite moments with that was I was in a, um, a restaurant in Montana. My, my son goes to school up there. And some Sarah, this was a few years ago, and some Sarah Palin story came across, and I was sort of reading it out loud to the family. And the guy, there was like one other person in this place, and he was like staring at me. And I hear him going, Should I say something? Should I say something? And then I finally realized I was in her hometown. <gasps> oh. <laughs> and I think I almost got beat up. But, uh, <laughs> like, yeah, you have to be aware of where you are, is what I learned when you're uh, talking freely. Yeah. And loudly, you're like awkward, kind of. Yeah, awkward. yeah, yeah. Suddenly, it's like, oh yeah, I'm in Montana. Perhaps um, not the place, although kind of amazing of a story. Yeah, I forget what the name of her hometown was. Now it's like it was, it was just driving through at some little sand lake or something like that, sand point, something. I forget what it was, but well, as, anyway, yeah. So as someone who suffers there, from foot and mouth disease, often. I mean, legitimately yeah. all the time, I'm like, oh, I need to unlodge my foot from my mouth. I appreciate that story <laughs> more than you'll ever, ever know. I am, um, oh God, I felt about it. Just my, my quick foot. Well, I'll tell you that offline. I was like, I had one of those like two days ago and I was like, I was telling people about it. I was like, oh my God, I feel so bad. They're like, you need to keep your mouth shut. I'm like, I know it's bad. Uh, when yeah. I was going to ask you were overseas, I always feel like whenever I travel overseas, I'm a big traveler. Oh my gosh, I can hear cars. Can you hear that on your side? Mm -hmm. There was a little bit. I think there's like a Mack truck literally that's going to go into my house. So if all of a sudden it goes silent, just, you know, call the authorities. Um, <laughs> my whole floor is like rumbling. But I always say when I travel overseas, I call it the Trump apology tour where I'm going to have to oh, apologize yeah. to everybody. I'm like, we don't like him. I'm really sorry. It's okay. And yes, I and I everybody just, I know who's traveled overseas has had that conversation at some point or another. It's hard. Luckily, it, I don't think the the true hardcore Trump fans are traveling overseas as much as the ones who are more 
have to apologize for. Well, it's fine. I went I went to Morocco in September for for a wedding anniversary. We were excited. I've always wanted to go, and I think it was so it was so sad to me. I we were buying something, and this gentleman said, "You know, can I can I thank you in Arabic?" And I was like, "Of course, you can thank me in any way you want." And he goes, "Oh, because I know that you all don't like, you know, Muslims, and you don't like to hear the language." I'm like, "What?" I'm I'm I, I'm so and then we just literally had a conversation and it was such a profound conversation but the amount of hurt and pain and fear uh, that Trump has caused not only for us but to see that impact overseas and it was just it was <clears throat> profound and it was so sad and it was he goes you don't hate us I'm like no we don't like him but we're good <laughs> with everybody else like everybody else is good. And so he said, yeah. he, he just said, I hope every, I hope you tell everybody. Cause I know every, we think that everybody hates us. I'm like, Oh God, that's, it was just, it's sort of like this gut punch. Yeah. yeah. It, it's, it's disturbing. Who, um, who are you excited about for 2020? Uh, uh, <laughs> you know, I've been trying to avoid that on Twitter just because everything starts a fight. These as days. long as you don't say Bernie, you're probably okay democratically. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, like everyone, I, I, I love what Warren's saying. Uh, I like Kamala Harris's fire. Oh, um, she's... Mm. Uh, it, it's depressing though. I just read some poll where, you know, how much tighter it is for any woman to face Trump than pretty much any of the guys. Um, Oh, I'm starting absolutely. to get convinced that the only way we'll have a woman president is if it's a woman vice president and she kills the president in his sleep or something. Because she puts a pillow over his uh, face. Yeah, or maybe with a dragon. I don't know. Um, Game but, of Thrones, uh, lovely, well done. Yeah, but uh, you know, and you know, I, and I went to see Biden speak when he was doing his tour last year, and you How know. He was good, you know. It's like, I, you know, I can live with it. It's just not the most exciting option right now, yeah. I think. That's the problem. I think Warren's programs are more exciting and Harris's, you know, abilities. And, you know, and, uh, you know, and I like what Pete Buttigieg is out there him. saying. And, um, you know, and, and then there's ones where <laughs> I won't get into, I guess. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, overall, I think it's a great field. So I, I'd be kind of happy no matter what way it goes within reason. Um, I'll be but uh, yeah, it, it, it does seem like, you know, I don't know. I'm afraid that it's Biden's to lose and he's good at that. So I don't know. Yeah. It's, we'll see. It'll be interesting. I uh, just talking to people, I'm, First of all, if I don't have to, like every day I wake up, I look on Twitter and it's another random white dude who's I'm like, oh, good. That's what we need. Another random white dude running for president. I, we I don't, don't have understand. Enough. I, I really I mean, I follow politics a lot more than most, I guess. But I don't understand what would motivate anyone at this phase to jump in. Jesus. Given how many of the early jumpers are already kind of forgotten. Yeah, it, it's. It feels like the field's pretty good now. Yeah, I was like, well, we have a field of like 150. My, I mean, my only theory is that people are now not running for president. They're just running to be a member of the cabinet if for whoever wins. I just feel like everyone's right. running I mean, for something else. Because like, I don't, I literally, I think two people start running to, I have never even heard of, I was like, I'm sorry, who, who's that? Do, am I related to them? Is this a party I have to go to? Is this a bar mitzvah? Like, who's the last name? I didn't know who anybody was. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, the crazy thing is there's some good governors running, but yeah. they're just sort of lost in the shuffle now. So, uh, yeah, I don't know how you break out at this point. I mean, once Biden jumped in, uh, of course, now all the oppo research is dumping on him, too. So who well, knows? It'll, it'll be interesting. I know I always think about Harris whenever I see her like cross-examine anybody like bar or anything. I always said, she's that phrase, don't bring a gun, you know, bringing a gun to a knife fight. She's the gun. Like you just sit back, you watch. Yeah. I was watching Cory Booker watch her and everybody yeah. was just with their jaws open, just in amazement, like literally just go on. I think everyone should have just yielded their time. Like, I'm just going to give it to her. Yeah, I, I tweeted that yesterday. I really oh, you did? did? I mean, one thing you learn when you watch these, these, these um, hearings how many senators are bad at this <laughs> in terms of so just sort of you know pontificating without getting to any actual information being revealed? And geez, talk about a target-rich environment yesterday, and yet so few really went for it. Uh, I mean, but well, it'll be interesting. I mean, I'm I'm looking forward to Mueller testifying. He's going to have to testify, and probably by the time this podcast airs he will have testified i i don't i don't know if there's any way around that i think the demand will be too too big and too great and i have a, a Mueller prayer candle that i've been praying on so i'm hoping <laughs> that that actually works it's I, like I a saw those in austin you could buy those uh water uh, candles and things literally you can go on etsy and it's like a cottage industry now there's so much like Mueller prayer candles like a prayer blanket. It's like a Mueller rosary. And I was like, I, as a Jew, probably shouldn't do that one. But <laughs> I was like, at that point, my grandma would come from the grave going, it's a little too much. Let's take it down a notch, yeah. Judgy. Uh, was, were you nervous? Because Well, I mean, I know Hollywood's a safe space, but were you nervous to be as vocal as you are on Twitter? Or does your handle yeah. kind of give you a little <laughs> bit of cover? Uh, well, I block freely <laughs> because uh, when I first when I first started on Twitter and I just started dipping my uh, fingers into the political waters on it, it was I was doing the Penguins of Madagascar show and the show had this super fan who followed me because of that show, but he was also super conservative. So I tweeted some joke about I think it was like. Republicans are more comfortable with blackmailing the White House than a black male in the White House. Oh, my God, that's amazing. During Obama. And this guy got so upset that he just sent stuff to Breitbart. And so Breitbart picked it up. So one day I was like driving my daughter. I was picking up my daughter at the airport in college. And my phone just because in that time, like I had hardly any followers. And my phone just started dinging because I at that time I had notifications on because I literally heard from it. <laughs> and and I look and I just said, I'm driving on the 405 and suddenly I'm seeing all these death threats <laughs> coming through and I had no serious? idea why. Yeah. And then when I finally got home, I like look and it's like there was a story on I think it was Twitchy and then Breitbart picked that up or something. Oh, this guy okay. like notified everyone, Disney writer. And I wasn't even working for Disney at the time. I was at Nickelodeon. Um, like, so suck it. It's so, not Disney. So I quickly learned very early on how the pylon can work. And also that you can just sort of wait it out. So yeah. they, they move on to whatever the next target is. Um, but this guy like wrote to try to get me fired and stuff, uh, you know, for a joke. And, and so I, you know. Well, then you know it's uh, a so good yeah, I'm, I'm kind of aware of that. And because I write for kids, I try not to 
curse on Twitter, even though Good. some of the easiest jokes would involve cursing. <laughs> it's like, I think I'm beyond, I also have a Twitter account now that's just about animation stuff. So oh, if kids really want to hear that, um, they can follow me on that. Um, but yeah, I was hyper aware at first of trying to keep it clean and, you know, there's a lot of easy jokes you can do if you, <laughs> if you but I, I've limited myself to a degree. Well, um, which more, like, so than, more so than Lindsey Graham is, apparently. But, uh, oh, yeah. I, seriously, when, when did he start dropping the F bomb? I mean, he literally, I said, I said, he's a mouth like my grandparents. I can't believe that when I was watching that. It's like, come on. You couldn't, you couldn't self censor yourself. You're a morning television man. It's so interesting because um, you know he never would have done any of this if McCain was still here. I can't imagine that any of this would have happened. And I just think, like, yeah. was, did he need a chaperone this whole time, or is this the real Lindsay, or is there just a hell of a PP tape out there on Lindsay? Yeah, I mean, uh, I've read everyone's theories. You know, there's the obviously it's blackmail, and there's like, no, he's just this is just who he's always been toadying to whatever power he has to to. And I honestly don't know. It seems like pretty clearly there's probably easily to blackmail him out there somehow, but I don't know. I don't know how to read it, but it's pretty stunning when you compare it to who he was two years ago yeah. or two and a half years ago. I mean, I looked up a lot of his statements and I think Lawrence O'Donnell did it last yeah. night too, where he just showed some of the old stuff. Especially about but Russia. He was, he was, you know, back in the day, old Lindsay realized that Russia wasn't our friend and he wouldn't have yeah. said or supported any of this. And so it's, it's stunning to me to see this, you know, reversal of, I was going to say fortune, but really just a reversal of like a dumpster fire for him. It's, it's crazy. It's it's crazy to see how many people are willing to set themselves on fire for this because it just feels like how do you think this is going to end well? That's what fascinates me. It's like it's it not- hasn't ended well for so many people at this point. Why do you think you're the one that's going to this is you know obviously Trump has no loyalty toward anyone. No, he's not going to. He doesn't save need you. them anymore. Yeah. So well, I don't. I mean, obviously, you know, McConnell is getting what McConnell wants. So. He's happy to play along, um, but it's but, it's it's well, a weird time. I'm I'm curious, like what's going to happen to some of these folks past um, after Trump leaves? Because, like, are they considered like anthrax at this point? Like, is anyone going to hire Sarah Sanders? I mean, Sean Spicer. I, I I saw him. He's now working, you know, the red carpet for Extra. I mean, he's not doing much else. Literally, I was like, I was, I was in D.C. for the. I didn't actually go to the dinner, but I went to a couple of the parties, um, and I crashed the party. So don't anybody think I'm cool enough to get an invite? I completely crashed a party. Um, but I was like, that's Sean Spicer working the red carpet for extra. Oh my gosh, it is. And I just thought that's that's what happened to him. Not that it's See, a bad I think thing. They're all going to land. I think they're all going to land well, and we are going to go and think about it. Yeah, I think. Once he's gone, you know, Kelly will, Kelly Ann will be, yeah, I, I just think nobody, nobody wants to ever hold anybody to account for this stuff. There's always excuses made. Uh, yeah, I'm curious. I think Kellyanne will survive us all. I think she's sort of like the cockroach. Like she'll always, yeah. she will, she'll survive everything. She's, she's been there from the beginning. She'll be there to the very end. I I wonder about Sarah Sanders. I wonder about some of these other politicians and I, it's like they're rearranging the deck in the Titanic. It's going down, whether it's now or whether it's in a few years, because I think once Trump's gone, I, I have to believe that the Republicans will go back to being, you know, 
Republicans and not, you know, neo-Nazi supporters like, you know, Stephen King and all that. I, 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 I wish I had faith in that. I don't know. They, they've seen the light on some really dark stuff, I guess, <laughs> what, what they can do to, you know, keep people hooked into their brand because, you know, Ugh. everything's about everything's about hiding what they're really up to. So if this is what it takes, uh, I, you know, I don't know. But I, I mean, I think someone like Sarah Sanders just isn't that good at her job. <laughs> so I don't know what oh. who would want that really other than, you know, I don't know, there's 8 million think tanks out there that seem to provide yeah. cushy landings until the next term, you know, until somebody else comes in and needs them. I was um, going to say, maybe I'm like, I'm, I'm curious. It, it, it makes me just kind of go, like I get faith when I hear people like Rick Wilson, who I think is amazing and so smart. And, you know, he was a Republican strategist for, you know, decades. And, and some of these never Trumpers, the Evan McMullins and all these people who've said, you know, I used to vote in this, you know, in a conservative way, but always had morals and principles. And that was always intact. It wasn't something that went away, you know, and you could disagree with them fundamentally on an issue, but it wasn't because, you know, it wasn't like a Trump thing where you're just like, yeah, I actually, we disagree. I, I think racism is bad. And you think racism yeah. is good. Like it, it wasn't, it wasn't that, you know? And so those folks give me hope that they will help sort of reclaim back what it was because it's ultimately, it's healthy for us to have, have a real dialogue and have a real conversation where we can solve real issues. We can't do that now. That's the, everyone's just monologuing at each other and not there's no real conversation happening yeah i mean uh, although i i mean i i do think you can make an argument that the republicans have been down this path for a long time and this yeah. just sort of you know pulled the pulled the covers off and exposed a lot of stuff but you know i, I always on twitter like rick wilson and evan mcmullen both follow me so i like them that's my yeah, criteria if you follow me i'm if you follow me i'm gonna probably uh not dislike you. Um, but, you know, I, I do think there has been that thing where the sort of the, the, the super liberals don't really trust any of these never Trumpers. And, you know, that may be valid, but I do think also you have to find your allies where they are right now. And, do. and certainly I think there's some level of good faith there of anyone who's willing to stand up and say, this is crazy. This is uh, bad shit crazy. I, I, I'm happy. To, I'm happy to listen to them, even if their record is they used to support some of the same stuff in some form. I, I feel like, well, you know, we are where we're at right now, so let's deal with that. Um, I, I, it's funny. I heard. Uh, I've actually interviewed Rick and Evan. I have another podcast. I have another podcast. Um, which doesn't that sound fancy? Um, and both of them were great. It was funny. I heard Philippe uh, Rhinus is my co-host, along with Molly Jungfast, on this other podcast we do called Unredacted. A nice little plug. Mm -hmm. And they were talking to Rick, and they said, "We'll know that things have gone back to normal when we can go back to hating each other." Because, <laughs> like, it yeah, because now, like right now, we're like, "Oh, thank God, Rick. Oh, you're right." And I was like, "Oh, it's gonna be fun when we all hate each other again. Then we'll know that you know the world's right. Everything's right in the world." Be yeah, I mean, in a in a way, I think for Republicans, the greatest thing after Trump is we will accept normal sort of, you know, yeah, normal uh, Republican. Uh, 
malfeasance as, oh, thank God, we're back to this and not, you know, crazy it's, racist. Seriously. Uh, we're, we you know, get nostalgic. Idiocy. Yeah, I, it's like, said, oh, you know, oh, they're just they're just trying to do tax breaks. They're not trying to lock people up. And they're not ripping kids away from their families. Cent. Yeah. Um, they're just raping so. the environment. That's naive and sweet and cute. Oh, <laughs> that's precious. I mean, the thing with Trump is every day it's like, all right, there's sort of the headline nonsense, but then there's all this sort of other stuff going on at the same time of, you know, meanwhile, we're still chipping away at healthcare and, oh, here's another environmental outrage. It's uh, it, it's the layers of outrage that's hitting every day that makes it so exhausting, I think. Well, it's also exhausting because you're talking about, it's not even, look, the economy, all these, there, all this is important, but when you talk about healthcare and how that uh, affects people so to their core and and how that's been so eroded, I, look, I'm fortunate I have health insurance and, you know, a lot of us do, but I know what the struggles are. I know what I have to fight for. You know, right now I'm fighting for an MRI and literally it's going to take me probably four more rejection letters. Like it's going to, and I just think about people who don't either have someone to advocate for them because they can't, they don't have the time because they're working two jobs or they have shitty health insurance and we've done nothing to fix it. And he, this administration is going to do nothing to fix it because it doesn't benefit them politically or financially. So people, real people are going to continue to suffer. It's like when they, when we shut down the government and you have people who are debating between rent and chemotherapy. And I thought, what the fuck is wrong with our world when everyday Americans who are so hardworking are having to make that choice. And that to me is where you see the decay of. Or the crazy price of insulin. It's like, Jesus, I have a cat on insulin and it's $300 a vial for my cat. How much do you like the cat? Do you like the cat a lot? Uh, Well, (laughs) luckily the cat's dose is I get like three or four months out of that, but it is like somebody who actually has to have, you know, that and doesn't have the insurance to pay for it. It's crazy because it's not that complicated of a drug. Oh, um, it's, it's unconscionable. It's literally, that's, that to me is soulless. It doesn't, it doesn't belong in this country. The, our, the, I'm not, I was going to say, I was talking about our veterans and how that system is broken. Like it's, those are the kind of things I would love, you know, that he talks about that he's making this fix and, you know, the, the war on, Oh boy, opioids and all that. It's all to me, it's just all, it's just all bullshit. And you, so many people who really believe it, which to me is so, is so sad. It's like, it's like, he's like a D level Barnum, you know? And I was like, oh my God, how many people are buying this? It's, it's horrible. It's a, it's a disgrace. Way too many. Way. Yeah, I mean, when you think of how sacred veterans were before, uh, and they could always rile up the base by saying the Democrats aren't taking care of veterans. And that's, you know, we don't even hear that anymore. And we no. know what's going on. You, you get the little stories. I mean, you know, when he had his friends at Mar-a-Lago uh, shadow running the vet- the VA, um, uh, imagine, can you imagine in former, pre- you know, the old, imagine if Obama had done it game. Still, seriously, we're still talking about the tan suit, so I can't imagine. Yeah, Uh, and the. I mean, the impression with Trump for me is always ninety-five percent of his time right now is spent 
just trying to worry about himself. So, you know, aside from everything else, there's real no leadership at the government right now on all the real parts of the job. It's crazy we're not in worse shape than we are, kind of. It just feels like held together this long is kind of amazing. Do you, um, was there a moment for you or was it just the whole thing that, because I remember I said, you know, we always political, but I, I didn't know if there was a moment where you just went, oh, oh, oh shit. Like this is, this is worse than I thought. Like I have a couple of moments that were very crystallized for me where I, you know, I, I kind of lost it. I mean, throughout the entire thing, but in the beginning, I mean, from his speech at the CIA and from the Memorial wall to him, you know, coming down the, you know, his escalator, like a poor man's <laughs> Ava Perone. He literally, I was like, this is the worst version of a Vita I've ever seen. What are you doing coming down like that? Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, the, I think it's sort of, uh, it was uh, having like CNN on in the morning when I was getting ready for work, when he was running and really being conscious of a camera locked onto an empty podium waiting for him, uh, is what told me something was really wrong. <laughs> the <laughs> idea that he, he, he was entertaining. So he got all this coverage and everyone seemed very confident that, you know, and then he'd lose and somebody else would get the nomination. And uh, these rules all seem to be written for, you know, the ratings he was getting, uh, to give him a pass on a lot of stuff. And, you know, it backfired spectacularly. Can I, I want to ask you, cause I, I don't want to, our time, our time is short. That makes it sound like like we're going away to a, a faraway place. Our time is so short. I wanted to <laughs> have you tell the story because I was so impressed when you busted the bot where you realized that Trump was tweeting a fake person and the picture and you did, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Um, Would you tell that story? Because I think it's kind of amazing. Uh, <laughs> Well, yeah, if I can remember the particulars, I, I, I've got really good Google skills. I, I don't know, um, but I and I, I think I just have a good bullshit detector of what a bot is and when we're being snowed. So when when he retweeted that, I just started. Uh, you know, it was really actually easy just to do reverse image search on the profile pictures and you start to see a pattern of them all coming from this one stock photo uh, source online. Um, and it was and it was just amazing because they all kind of linked to each other and, and you just sort of see how much of it he, he was, he, you know, the president of the United States is retweeting bogus accounts. Um, and you but you busted him on Twitter and it was kind of a big deal. It got picked up and it was kind of a big, you were, you're kind of a big deal when it happened. What's that? It was kind of a big deal when it happened. The story got picked up because you busted him on it and you kept If you look at the, your, the Twitter timeline of it, how you busted him and showed the proof of how it was, you know, a fake account. I think it was one of the first times that someone had done that, which I thought was really impressive where someone said, no, this, this is really who he's retweeting and this is the bullshit and you pointing it out. Yeah. I mean, I think if I wasn't doing what I was doing, I probably would have been a reporter because I do have that sort of, you know, it's the same instincts of why you write you something, something gets under your skin and you start, uh, you start looking. Um, there was one time I, a long time ago when there was the, uh, 
Las Vegas shooting. I don't know if you remember the guys from Bundy Ranch who shot the police. Uh, I was up late that night and I forget how I did it, but I figured out who they were and found their Facebook page. And um, I tipped off some reporters and a few picked it up. And uh, it was, I I figured out, I'm trying to remember how I but it was some Encyclopedia Brown stuff. I was going to say, it's a Chuchon adventure. Um, yeah, but um, so yeah, I just have every once in a while, I'll try to, you know, the internet is a vast and wondrous place where all the answers lie, you know, where to look. Um, if, if you get tired of entertainment, I think the CIA could probably use your skills. You've got some <laughs> mad, mad skills. As you're describing it, I'm like, he could have worked for the government. I think uh, NSA could have used him. You've got some mad skills there. Uh, sadly, making cartoons probably pays better. <laughs> oh, I guarantee you one billion percent it pays better. I it's I was talking to somebody about when I worked for the agency, and they said, oh, did you live in D.C.? And I said, I was way too poor to live in D.C. I literally lived in something that everyone thought was an assisted living home because I was the youngest person by far and the whole place smelled like <laughs> pee. Like you would walk in and it literally, everyone's like, what's that smell? I'm like, oh, it's this woman's, she probably peed again on the, on the side. It's fine. Don't worry about it. I was by far, it was, it literally was an old folks home that was changing over. And I was like, this is all I can afford. So it's, yeah, no, I guarantee you Hollywood pays a lot better. I mean, it's LA and DC are the same city because they're both super myopic and both industry towns. But yeah, no, you just me. You're doing just, and also you don't have to deal with all the paperwork and all the bullshit that you would, yeah, that would I literally would, make, uh, make you go I crazy. think I would drive, go crazy and that kind of, I mean, you know, there's enough bureaucracy in this business, but the yes. government bureaucracy, uh, Probably not cut out for sadly. I realized I was, yeah, I, I think my first month or so, I was, I've told the story. I uh, got in a fight with my boss. It was epic over the color of a form. I just needed her to have a signature on it. And it didn't really matter. I just printed it out. She goes, oh, no, it has to be on the A crew form. I'm like, I'm sorry, the what? She's the A crew. And I said, that's what this is. She goes, this is cream. I'm like, what? It's, it's A crew. It's cream. She goes, no, no. So I printed it again. She said, that's eggshell. I literally, if you would have heard our fight, it was like we were fighting over a J. Crew catalog because every time I would bring her a sheet of paper, she's like, that's off white. And I finally said to her, I said, the guy said you could sign a matchbook cover and it would be fine. And so I'm fighting and I'm passionate because I know I'm right. And another officer who was there, who was former Navy, she pulled me aside. She said, do you know what's happening? I said, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to go fucking crazy. She goes, no, this is what we call a pissing contest. You're getting all wet. You're not going to win. I said, I'm going to win. She said, you legitimately will not win. (laughs) she She just she grabbed the paper. She said, I'm getting it signed and step away. And I was. I was like, I'm right. So yes, this is a, this is a sitcom right here. I think the CIA yeah. is the office. Well, it is. I always say the CIA is much more like the office than it is like Alias. I never looked like Jennifer. Yeah. Her, unfortunately, Definitely. I never scaled down walls in spandex. Although that would be more scary than actually scaling down walls if I had to wear a suit of spandex. That to me is much. If someone <laughs> said we can either send you to Iraq or you can wear spandex, I've been like, send me to Iraq. I'm going right now. I'll go. Put, put me on a plane. It's much It's much better for me. Um, if you had a cast, and then I'm going to let you go in like just two minutes. I'm just curious as a Hollywood guy. If you had to cast the Trump movie, who well, who would you cast as for Ivanka, 
and Don Jr. and like Eric and Stephen Miller. Who could you picture being being the actors? Like who would you cast in it? Oh man, that's hard. There's so many uh there's so many fantasy castings for that movie. Uh I don't even know if you did that movie, like what you would even focus on. It has to be a miniseries. Yeah, I was going to say, it has, it has to, to be, be an like, FX miniseries. Yeah, it has to be 12 episodes on HBO or Netflix or something. Because yes. uh, it, it's hard to find actors that unctuous, I think. It's like Stephen Miller, who would want to play it, first of all. It's like Jeremy Piven back in the day, maybe, or something. Yes. Um, uh, Don, it's like, geez, who would want to even play those roles i'm trying to think uh <laughs> the role of don will be portrayed by a can of pennzoil and ivanka will be a mannequin i don't it, know it will, it's, she'll uh, just, yeah, she'll, <laughs> it's it'll all be weekend of bernie's it'll just be like fake and dead people just being having their arms rolling i don't know like i always think about that i'm like who would you, i would ask actors you know who would you want to play and they're like oh god i don't know and i'm i said it's hard it is. We're, um, I mean, part of uh, what I am hoping I see someday is this thing over and done by an Adam McKay or somebody, you know, or, you know, everyone says the Coen brothers really need to do the Trump movie, I think. Oh, I think they would do the an amazing job. Because um, I really, because uh, when there's somebody making a movie of it, I know we've at least survived it. Um, <laughs> at this point, it seems, it seems dicey. So I really am looking forward to that movie someday okay uh, whoever a, whoever is cast i have one last question and it's the hardest question you'll have to answer okay oh, eric well no i'm not gonna do eric i'm gonna do don jr jared stephen miller name something redeeming about one of them <laughs> you know that's kind of an impossibility right? well i used to include i used to include ivanka if i would ever ask this question and then i'd have to say and you can't say her hair and then everybody would get stumped because everyone's like i'll do ivanka and i'm like you can't mention her hair and they're like oh oh uh Jeez, you can't even like say Don Jr. was a good family man or anything. <laughs> He's like you the worst of husband ever. It's like nothing like uh, you know, leaving your kids behind as you flaunt about the world with uh, your Fox trophy. Um, trophy, debatable, but yes, I know Jared's uh, part yeah. too. Yeah, it's like. It, you know, I think maybe that he could that share share jeans with Ivanka. I don't know if that's a compliment. Yeah, I mean they have nice taste in art, I guess. Okay, <laughs> I'll I'll their, go with that. Their apartment has some really, you know, expensive, lovely art pieces in it. So okay. uh, it, it's such a fascinating thing because they just seem like they stumbled into this thing that they do not belong in, and yet now yeah. they want it so bad or something. It's just bizarre. But I think um, that they probably miss the old, you know, the old life when they would get invited to parties and people didn't shun them before this and they could hobnob with, you know, all the snooty Yeah, I don't students. get, like, why, because that was their life. Yeah. In was, that strata of Manhattan. And it's like, will they be able to return to that someday? No. Uh, that'll be interesting to see how, how no. much forgiveness is for that. Um, I, I can't imagine yeah. there. I can't imagine that they'll be that they'll be welcomed back, even if they open up their checkbook. I, 
I, I truly, I think there's so much disdain. And anytime I go to New York, there's, you just, it's palpable the disdain that people have for them now. I, I can't imagine they can. Yeah. Yeah. To their, to their so, old life. You know, and it, you know, it's a, the classic thing with all the Trumps of suddenly they have to be sort of hobnobbing with people they would have never been caught dead with before <laughs> and act oh. like they like them. It's so, I mean, in a way, it's its own punishment to a degree, I guess. But. You know that they wake up thinking, what did we get ourselves into? I mean, the irony yeah. is that eventually all of Trump's financial crimes, they're going to come out. And if he hadn't run, they probably never would have. You know, there's going to be so much damage and collateral to all this because he ran and because he thought he wasn't going to win. That yeah, that is the and it'll be on his kids life. that it falls upon more so than him at his age. I think they're the ones that are going to have to live with the ramifications of it for the rest of their lives, which are going to be longer than his, I assume. Uh, yeah, um, I would assume, and Melania will but, be um, after all that. I would think. <laughs> yeah, I kind of. I kind of thought we'd have our first White House divorce. I was this, hoping this term. It feels like that could be a, a good twist in the storyline. I have a good, I have a nice compliment about Melania because I actually think that she's vile and horrible, and she was a birther. So I think there's not a lot redeeming there, and I think she also co-signed on all this. So I'm making that clear when I say this nice thing about her. I know, I know somebody knows somebody. No, I know somebody whose friends their kids played soccer together at the end of the co- the soccer season, Melania wrote a handwritten note to the coach thanking him. And I thought that was lovely. I'm very old school. And I think when you put pen to paper, <laughs> that's a very lovely old school thing. And I always appreciate that. And I think right. she's a horrible human. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I, I try to stay away from even judging on her because it's, it's own weirdness and it feels like there's enough more, central weirdness to deal with that uh oh, you're better you can than sort I of let that one yeah uh, you know I, that's your prerogative i'm well, see, uh, you're you're being best look at you be best look yeah i be best i'm i'm trying you know um but uh yeah it, it, it's it, it's it, white house divorce i i'm calling it i still feel like that has to happen at some point well i have i'm gonna let you go but i have a question for you i promised you that this would be delightful was it delightful it was absolutely delightful and, and Did, shameless. My my but, first podcast. It's uh, it's exciting. Your first one? I'm your first yes. podcast. <gasps> I've I've been asked before, but I've turned down. Not that I'm going to say you should feel honored by this. I just, oh, I'm you know, totally going to use this I as felt, drag rights. Are you kidding me? I I feel like it was time, you know, since everyone has a podcast. And so it's baby's first podcast. Chat once in a while. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I'm so uh, excited. Yeah. I'm very honored. Thank you. Uh, I really am. I'm really because I it's a kind of a big deal. I get it. And it's and it's time out of your day. Well, you know, know, but people are going to be like looking at this and go, well, who is that? No, you're not. <laughs> it was one time I, I, I got plucked off the street in Burbank to get my hair cut from Ellen DeGeneres. Are you serious? <laughs> I was at lunch. Yeah, I was at lunch and some guy walked up to me and said, Ellen DeGeneres cut your hair for $100. <laughs> sure. Well, Ellen, you... and then they they had me in the studio That's to, like when she showed the bit so when they like announced the audience the guests for the show it was like jared padalecki from supernatural and somebody else and bob schooley and the whole audience was like 
who? <laughs> so this will have that impact. It'll be uh, who? Had, like, didn't you have like Olivier Knox last week or something? I did. <laughs> yeah. So he always made the joke that everyone calls him Oliver, and so I said, you know, I think everybody deals with that in some way. And I said, you know, he gets that a lot. Who I okay? Then I have to tell you my my story, and then I will let you go. Um, my like whose story I was convinced because when you live in LA you sometimes get invited to you know movie premieres and stuff and it's not it sounds much fancier than it is you literally just get to see a movie earlier but we oh, my I, husband and I, I went there, yeah. yeah and it's I was like oh cool and it was some movie I really wanted to see but there's always a red carpet but you know normal like normal you know people you just you walk behind the red carpet but you could walk on the red carpet and so I was convinced like Bob, I was convinced. I said to him, I was like, I'm going to wear sunglasses and everybody's going to think I'm famous. He said, no, nobody's going to think you're famous. I said, no, no, no. They're really big sunglasses. I'm going to walk with confidence. Everyone's going to take my picture and everyone's going to think I'm famous. And he was like, don't do it. I said, I'm going to do it and I'm going to show you and everyone's going to think I'm famous. And he's like, just fucking do it. Fine. So I put on my sunglasses and start walking down the red carpet and literally I got two feet in and I hear somebody in the paparazzi go, who is, oh, she's nobody. <laughs> literally a giant, she's nobody. And I didn't know what to do because I was a- kind of caught in the middle. So I kept walking and I heard somebody else, she's nobody. And it was a, like literally like a chorus of people screaming, she's They're nobody. They were getting angry at you for trying to, yeah. Well, this nope. is what happens when you're the writer of a movie and you go down the red carpet, too, I can tell you. You're yeah. still nobody. <laughs> they they don't want to see you. It, literally, it was like a warning shot to everybody. Like, don't waste any film, even though it's digital, on her because she's nobody. I was in the middle of the red carpet and I thought, am I better to run to the other side or do I pretend and get confidently, like, try to walk confidently? So I get to the other side. I see my husband and he just goes, how'd that work out for you? How, how that for you? And I said, you know what? It was not as good as I anticipated. I'm going to be super honest. <laughs> Lesson yeah. learned. Lesson learned. So I'm still going to try it again. I'm going to try it again. <laughs> it's going to work. Anyway, uh, I appreciate well, you coming on. And I want to just tell everybody, if you enjoy this podcast, you can find us on iTunes, which is amazing, and all the other amazing platforms where you can find all your great, great podcasts. It's part of the Deep State Radio Network, but we're definitely on iTunes. That's my new home, which is very exciting. And you can also become an early member for Deep State Radio. And when you do, you get you get to get access to all the podcasts early some bonus content, different kinds of interviews, all that kind of good stuff. And there's always new podcasts popping up as well. I'm doing a new one called Unredacted, um, which will be out by the time you hear this. So make sure you check that out with Molly Jungfast and Philippe Rhinus, which should be fun. And you can check out Deep State Radio on Twitter or on Facebook. And you can check me out on Twitter at CI Spy Girl. You can check out my amazing guest, Bob Schooley at R Schooley, R S C H O O L E Y on Twitter. And you should follow him because he is hilarious. I was going to be, it's going to say hot, hilarious and then serious. So I said hilarious, <laughs> but he is, which is not a word. He is absolutely hilarious and he's amazing. And he, he does tweet gold. So amazing. And just thank you again for joining. I appreciate it. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Fun. Okay. Thank you. I have a good one. I'll All see right. you in the Twitter sphere. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Deep State Radio is a production of the Deep State Radio Network, a division of TRG Interactive Media. Our podcast today was produced in cooperation with 
Goat Rodeo Productions and was supervised by Ian Enright. Join us again for another episode of Deep State Radio. If you don't, we know where to find you.